Good morning again, church. Deuteronomy chapter 9 is where we will be. You can also, if you want, flip to Exodus 32. We'll also turn there. Deuteronomy 9. You know, a lot of people right now are distracted. There's a lot going on in our world that is just distracting us. It's easy for every single one of us to become focused on the wrong things. We can become so distracted that we lose sight on what's most important. The very purpose that we have life and were put on this earth was to worship our God and make much of Him. That's why we're here. And so everything happening in our country, you look across the board, all over the world, mainstream media, the news, your radio, word of mouth, it doesn't matter. There's so much that can cause us to be distracted. And it can detour us and, 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 help and, and cause us to lose our focus on what's most important. Israel was distracted all the time. Israel had forgotten about God all the time. It was in their nature to forget about God. To throw His commands out. To to make their own God. To worship their own images. And so the context of of where we're at today is Moses, uh, as was custom, would go up to the mountain and meet with God. At this point, he's been there 40 days. And Israel, the people of God, are at the foot of the mountain. And so, uh, we're going to pick up in verse 12. God is meeting with Moses. And it says this in verse 12. Then the Lord said to me, Arise, go down quickly from here, for your people whom you have brought from Egypt have acted corruptly. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made themselves a metal image. So God says to Moses, uh, Moses, go down to, to the mountain. Uh, my people, they've, they've rebelled against me once again. They're sinning against me. In fact, they, Moses, they've created an image. And they're worshiping that image rather than me. Now, I want you to remember verse 12. Because we're going to come back to verse 12 at the end. So we'll pick up in verse 13. Moses goes on. He says, furthermore, the Lord said to me, I have seen this people. And behold, it is a stubborn people. Let me alone that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven. And I will make of you a nation mightier and greater than they. If you take notes, I have three points for us this morning. The first point is this. Fear God and worship Him alone. Fear God and worship Him alone. So the Lord speaks to Moses and He says, Look, I've seen my people, Moses. They're a stubborn people. Now, what do we know about uh, what it means to be stubborn? It means you're unyielding, right? It, it means that you don't always easily comply. Now, when other people want to follow suit, uh, the stubborn person often rebels. Uh, stubborn people are often uh, called strong-willed or, or they're headstrong. Stubborn people can be uh, difficult to work with. Often in the Old Testament, uh, you would see that uh, rather than uh, God referring to His people as stubborn, He would refer to them as a stiff-necked people. Haughty, uh, stubborn rebellious. And that was Israel. Israel was stubborn in their ways and they were rebellious in their sin. And the problem with Israel is they didn't fear God. 
And because Israel did not fear God, they stopped worshiping Him. Instead, Israel feared the unknown. They were always concerned and worried and complaining about their circumstances. They were always concerned, worried, and complaining about the unknown, all of the uncertainty that they had faced. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. What stopped them from entering into the promised land time and time again was their complaining, their moaning, their groaning, their sin, their rebellion against God. They, they feared God not providing clear provision for them, even though God had clearly provided provision for them. They feared God not clearly providing for them on a daily, but God had clearly provided for them. Israel feared armies. Israel feared opposing nations, despite all that God had done for them, and despite what God had promised them, Israel feared. And because of their fear, it affected their worship of God. See, fear took their eyes off of God. They wanted to go back to what was normal. They wanted to go back to what they were comfortable in. They wanted to go back to the conditions where they were before God ever delivered them. Israel wanted to go back to Egypt. How insane is that? They were enslaved for 400 years. They wanted to go back to Egypt. What have you done, Moses? You've brought us out for this. This is where what's become of us. We want to go back to Egypt. Because of fear, Israel lost faith in God. So they stopped worshiping Him. And right now, we're all facing a lot of unknown, aren't we? Uh, There's a lot of uncertainty in our world. There's a lot of uncertainty in our nation right now. There's a lot of things that just kind of seem like they're up in the air. We're just waiting. What's going to happen? What's what's going to be made of all of this? What what, what does January 20th, 2021 look like? Nobody knows. People have their opinions. We guess. We think. I've heard this or someone else has maybe heard something different. What is going to become of our nation? There's a lot of uncertainty and there's a lot of unknown. And because of that, there's a lot of fear. What's going to happen if this happens? Well, what's going to happen if that happens? Oh, what about this? What about that? Fill in the blank. What's happening is we're, we're dwelling on the what ifs. We're so consumed with the, with the what ifs. What about uh, vaccines? You know, I've heard some things about those vaccines. And uh, what about another shelter in place? What if there's another lockdown? And, and I don't know, remember all the riots? What, about, what if there's more riots? And there's just all of this division in our country and all of this what-ifs and all of these concerns and all of these worries. And, and, and that's all you see and that's all you hear on the news and on the radio. And so it's, every, it's all everybody's talking about. It. All of the what-ifs. And what happens is all of those things, they consume us. They consume us. And we've be, we, we become so distracted, many of us. And the problem is, our primary purpose as the church of Jesus Christ is to worship our God. That's our primary focus as the church. Worship God. Make much of Him. So, the Lord says in verse 14, let me alone. In other words, Moses, don't plead on behalf of, of my people. Let me alone that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven. And I will make of you a nation mightier and greater than they. My first point, uh, fear God and worship Him. Why should we fear God? <laughs> because God has the power to wipe us all out. I don't know if you knew that, uh, but God has the power, 
the ability, the capability to wipe every single person on the face of this planet out. He can do that. In fact, you know, there's never been a, a leader in world history, a U.S. president, whoever has, who's ever had supreme power and supreme authority. God has supreme power and all authority. And the Lord says to Moses, you know what? They've rebelled against me. So I'm going to destroy them because of their sin and their rebellion. I'm going to blot out their names from under heaven. And God has the power to do it. God has the power to wipe out nations because He's done it before. Remember the flood in Genesis 6, verse 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that He had made man on the earth and it grieved Him to His heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land for I am sorry that I have ever made them. Then he goes on in verse 17 and he says, I am, I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish. Mankind had, had become so wicked, so sinful, so evil in their ways. They had walked away from God. And so God wiped out the whole earth. The only ones that He preserved were those who walked faithfully in His sight. And it was a very few people. Mainly Noah and his family. Everybody else was wiped off the face of the planet. We fear God because He can wipe us out. You might think, well, Nate, the Bible says, and even the Lord said, I'll never rid the earth of people through water, through another flood. And that's true. In fact, He's going to do it through fire. And you can determine what's worse. You might be a good swimmer, but, but nobody can outlast fire. So the Lord says, I wiped them all out. If there was ever a time for you and for me as Christians to truly fear God and worship Him, it's right now. It's in 2020. Hashtag 2020. That's all I've been hearing. Social media. All of the crazy things happening in 2020. The church needs to fear God and worship Him in 2020. And maybe now more than ever, a pastor that I really admire just last week said this, God is willing or God is calling us to fear Him more than ever before. God is calling us as His church to fear Him more than ever before. Now, fearing God is, is a good thing. Proverbs 1 says, the fear of the Lord is, is the beginning of wisdom. You don't fear man, you fear God, the one who has the power to wipe us out. Could it be that each and every person in this room, and now I'm talking to you as an individual, of course the church as a whole, but, but as an individual, could it be that, that God has called you, set you apart, and filled, filled, his, filled you with His Holy Spirit for such a time as this? Have you ever even pondered that? That you're on this earth for a reason, for a purpose. God has graciously filled you with, with the Spirit of the living God, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Could it be that, that that's the case and the purpose of God, uh, the purpose of your life is, is to be set apart for such a time as this to make much of God? To fear Him. To worship Him. Uh, don't worship politics. Don't worship policies. Don't worship a, a, a specific U.S. Uh, presidential candidate. Don't, don't be so concerned with those things that you lose focus and you lose sight of, of what's most important. The worship of God. You don't worship those things. You worship God. 
and you in your worship of God shouldn't even you shouldn't even be concerned about those things. You're so focused on, on God and his sovereignty and that he's in control. No matter what, God is in control. He's worthy of our worship. So Moses goes on in verse 15, he says, So I turned and came down from the mountain, and the mountain was burning with fire, and the two tablets of the covenant were in my two hands. And I looked, and behold, you had sinned against the Lord your God. You, you had made yourselves a golden calf. You had turned aside quickly from the way that the Lord had commanded you. Moses had been on the mountain for 40 days. It only took 40 days, and Israel had forgotten about God. It's so easy for each and every one of us to get distracted, isn't it? It's easy. You can, you can be praying one thing alone in the prayer room by yourself. You've got your Bible open. You've got your prayer notes. And you can be praying and the very next moment you think a lustful thought. It is so easy for us to get distracted. We can come to church on, one, you know, on a Sunday, worship God, lift up praises to Him, and in the middle, middle of the next week, start a Facebook war. It's so easy to lose sight of what's most important. So this is a retelling, by the way, of the story in Exodus 32. When Moses had come down from the mountain, it says that the people of Israel were singing in Exodus 32 and dancing while worshiping this golden calf. They were singing and dancing. They had started a party worshiping what they had constructed, uh, a golden calf. They were worshiping it as if it was their God. And Moses said the sound and the dancing and all the noise, it was so obnoxious, it sounded as if they had just won a battle in a war. That's how excited they were for worshiping the golden calf. And so it says Moses burned with anger. And really, that's a reflection of God and his anger. So verse 17, so Moses goes on. So I took hold of the two tablets and threw them out of my two hands and broke them before your eyes. There was no purpose for the commandments. There was no purpose for the law of God. There was no purpose for those tablets. Israel had already shown it within themselves. They'd thrown them out. We don't need God. We don't want God. Either we go back to Egypt. If we can't go back to Egypt, we're going to worship our own God. And they had made up this golden calf. So Moses burns and is furious with anger. He rips him up. It's as if the covenant of God with Israel is being broken in that moment. You don't want God? We'll throw him out. You already have anyway. You're not following God anymore. You're not obeying His commandments. You have constructed and made up your own metal image. A golden calf and you're worshiping it. What's the point of having the commandments then? So Moses throws them out. You see, the law of God meant nothing to Israel. You see, when we disregard God's law, God's word, we disregard God. The single most important thing that we can be doing right now in the midst of all of the craziness and all of the unrest and all of the uncertainty and all of the unknown is to worship God. Obey His word. Other people may disagree with this. We don't disagree with this. We obey it. We follow it. We live by it. We live in it. We saturate ourselves with the Word of God. And we continue to worship Him. God wants people who want to worship Him. God wants people who want to worship Him. And we as the church should be doing that. We don't get distracted like the rest of the world. Jesus says, don't worry about your life. That's a command. Don't worry about your life. God is on your side. He is for you. And he wants people who want to obey his word, not throw it out like Israel did. He wants people who want to follow it, not stray from it. He wants people that want to abide in it, not dismiss it. God wants people who want to worship him. And just like Israel, we can neglect the law of God. We can neglect the word of God. We can ne neglect 
what's said in this word. The, the commandments that God has given us. We can just throw them out in the way we live our lives, especially with everything happening. We can just kind of easily conform ourselves with what's going on in the world. And subtly, we're walking away from the law of God, the words of God, His commandments, what He has given us. We get caught up in our own opinions and concerns about everything happening in the world that we neglect the Word of God and the truth of God. See, we were once a nation that under God, right? doesn't seem so right now. doesn't seem like we're a nation under God. We were once a nation that was united. But right now, it seems as if we're the divided states of America. Blue versus red. Trump versus Biden. Who's got a, a Trump sign in their yard? I guess I know what, what they believe. I guess I know where they stand. Or who, who's got a, a Biden sign in their yard? Well, I guess I know where they stand. I guess I know what they believe. Be someone who stands on the law and the Word of God. Be someone who stands on the promises of God. Not in the hope of a presidential candidate. Don't, we don't hope in government. We put our hope in the Lord our God. And so if we're putting our hope in, in God... And as Jesus says, we truly do not need to worry about our lives. We don't have to worry about who gets sworn in in January. You don't have to worry about that. How amazing is that? The world can worry all they want. This whole country can worry. You don't have to. The church does not have to worry about who gets sworn in. We don't throw out the Bible. We obey it. We continue to worship God. And so an expert of the law came up to Jesus and he asked him, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So we don't, in the New Testament today, we don't dismiss the Ten Commandments. Those are the Ten Commandments. They're just comprised into two that Jesus gives. And Jesus says, And and those, all of the law... We don't dismiss the law. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So Jesus says the first and the greatest is to love God. To worship God. Love Him with all your being. Worship Him with all your being. With all of yourself. Fix your eyes not, not, not on political candidates, not on all of the unrest in the world or in the nation. Don't f- fix your eyes on Jesus. The One who saved you from your sin. Don't look to the left, don't look to the right, look up where Jesus is sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, completely sovereign over everything happening in the world. Know that God can provide your every need right now in this season. So Jesus says the first is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. The second, he says, is this, love your neighbor as yourself. Let me ask you a question. I don't want an answer, of course, but do you love yourself? I would guess that we all love ourselves. And I know that because you woke up this morning and, and, and you put on clothes. Uh, you woke up this morning and you brushed your teeth, hopefully, right? You woke up this morning and, and you ate food. You see, food, clothes, all of these things, it's, it's, it's a part of taking care of yourself. If you love yourself, you're going to take care of yourself. And Jesus is saying, love others the same way. We love others by taking care of other people. Think about that. Who's someone you can take care of in this season of life? Who is someone that just needs to be loved right now? Maybe it's a neighbor or a coworker or a friend or, or someone in your own family, someone even in your own household. Who, who needs to be loved right now? More importantly than that, who needs to be loved by the Heavenly Father? Who needs the love of God right now? Love that person. Love them well. Love them the way Jesus has loved 
you. Here's one. Love somebody that voted differently than you. Love somebody who had a Trump sign in their yard. Love somebody who had a Biden sign in their yard. Love somebody who voted differently than you. And don't just love them, but love them well. Love them as if the Spirit of God indwells you. Love your neighbor, Jesus says. Be different. Be the church. Obey God and worship Him. And so God is angry with His people in this story. They've not only forgotten what He's done, they've not only rebelled against Him, but they've created an idol. And they're calling it their God instead of worshiping God. And so the Lord says, look, I'm going to destroy them. Verse 19, this is Moses, For I was afraid of the anger and the hot displeasure that the Lord bore against you, so that He was ready to destroy you. The word afraid here, Moses is saying, is exceedingly frightened. It's Moses being struck down with terror out of the anger that God has right now over Israel's sin. And so when Moses saw the sin of Israel, knowing the holiness of God, it terrified him. Because God doesn't like sin. Which, by the way, is still a truth for today. God does not like sin. And because God doesn't like sin, Moses falls on his face and he pleads for God's mercy on behalf of Israel. Verse 21, then he said, Then I took the sinful thing, the calf that you made, and I burned it with fire and crushed it, grinding it very small until it was as fine as dust. And I threw the dust of it into the brook that ran down from the mountain. You see how easily that idol was crushed into nothing. If this pandemic has done anything for any of us in the last nine months or so, it's, it's caused us to realize. It's caused us to put things into perspective. Uh, it's caused us maybe to see that we have a lot of idols in our own lives. I mean, the world shut down. Take sports, for example. It's just one thing. We're crazy about sports in our country. The world is crazy about sports. Uh, but Americans, we have many sports that we're crazy about. And uh, there was a season where sports were no more. They didn't even exist. They hardly even do now. Nobody can hardly go. You've got stadiums that fit 60, 80, 100,000 people, and you've got hundreds, if that, in those stadiums. There's a picture I think we have, if you see that. Look, these are just two pictures. This is how crazy we are about sports. We dress up crazy. We yell. We scream. We lose our voices for two to three hours of time. And here's what's crazy. We do that again the very next week. And then the very next week. That's how crazy we are about sports. We spend bukus of money on sports. Sometimes people spend even more money on sports than they do for furthering God's kingdom. And that's sad. And so, because of what God has done for us and what He's capable of doing to us, we need to fear Him and worship Him. And so, if we've learned anything these last several months, we have a lot of idols. We have a lot of idols, and it was as if God just stripped them all away for a season. Wake up, people. Wake up a nation that says they follow me. A nation that says that they believe in me. So Moses goes on in verses 22 through 24, and for the sake of time, I won't read those, but he he basically says, look, time and time again, as we have wandered through the desert, there have been different pit stops where you guys have just, you said, you know what, we don't want to follow God anymore. We want to go back to Egypt, Moses. Moses says time and time again, you guys, you've created an image for yourselves to worship rather than God. What did Moses do? He took the golden calf Israel was so excited about, dancing and screaming and shouting for this golden calf. 
and he burned it with fire until it became dust. That's how easy an idol can just be crushed. Look what happened in our world. For a season, idols were stripped. The world shut down and we went crazy. And Moses in this story is terrified for his own people. So he pleads for God's mercy. Verse 25, So I lay prostrate before the Lord for these 40 days and 40 nights because the Lord had said He would destroy you. And I prayed to the Lord, O Lord God, do not destroy your people and your heritage whom you have redeemed through your greatness, whom you have brought out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do not regard the stubbornness of this people or the wickedness of their sin. My second point, first point, worship, fear God and worship Him. Second point, never forget the promises of God. Or God remembers His covenant with His people. But never forget the promises of God. Moses pleads for God's mercy. He fasts. He prays that God was ready to destroy Israel. Verse 14, I will destroy them, the Lord says. I will take their name out from under heaven and recreate a nation much better, much greater. A nation that wants to obey me. A nation that wants to follow me. A nation that cares. So, Moses says in verse 27, Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now turn, if you want to, to Exodus 32, but I should have it on the screen. Moses says here, Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, that's Jacob, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have promised I will give to your offspring and they shall inherit it forever. So Moses is speaking with God and he says, Hey God, remember the promise that you made to the patriarchs. Moses has the audacity, first of all, to stand before God and say, hey God, don't you remember? Did you forget or something? You made promises. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, don't you remember the promise that you made to them? Here's what's going on though. Moses recognized the truth of who God is. Moses recognized the truth of who God is. God is unchanging. God is unchanging. He's unchanging in His nature. He's unchanging in His attributes. He's unchanging in His Word. Moses reverts to that. And he appeals to the purpose of God. God, your purpose wasn't to to, uh, deliver them out of the hand of Egypt to to destroy them. You didn't uh, rescue them from being slaves under Pharaoh to, to kill them. You delivered them for the glory and renown of your own name among all the nations. Your purpose isn't to kill them. It's to save them. So Moses remembers the promises that God made. He says, don't you remember, God, the promises that you made to your own people? You saved them for the glory of your own name. You you promised them, God, that you would give them and their family the land to which you are leading them into. God, you can't go back on your word. And the deal is, Moses probably remembered Numbers 23, verse 19. God is not human that he should lie. He's not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and not then act? Does he promise and not fulfill? And we change our minds all the time. All the time we change our minds. God never does. In fact, God says of himself in Psalm 89, verse 34, I will not violate my covenant. Okay? I will not violate my covenant or alter what my lips have uttered. If you look in the Book of Mormon, there are so many discrepancies. Things have changed over the years. This word has never changed, not one time. And the Lord says, I will not violate my covenant or alter what my lips have uttered. So Moses brings up a good point. You've promised to make them into a great nation, God. And so if we know God doesn't lie, and we know that God is faithful, and we've learned in the Sermon on the Mount God is perfect, 
then he can't change. And he won't change. He will remain faithful. Maybe some of you right now are worried about the future. You're anxious because of uncertainty. You're struggling with certain things right now in this season of life. Whether that's uncertainty, whether that's addiction. You're having a hard time within your marriage or your family. Maybe you fear of losing a job because of potential another shelter in place. All of these things are real. They're real. But may I just say, never, never, never lose hope in God. And always remember His promises. That's what Moses says to the Lord. Hey, remember the promises that you've made to your own people, God. We can do that too. We can remember the promises that God has made for us. Here's just ten of them. Here's just ten promises. God, God loves you, number one. God loves you unconditionally and with an everlasting love. Nothing you can do in this life will ever separate God's love for you. How amazing is that? Maybe somebody needs to hear that. For I am sure that death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Maybe somebody needed to hear that this morning. Second promise, number two, is you're not alone. Psalm 27.10 Though my father and mother may forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Joshua 1 verse 9, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Matthew 28, 20, and, I, and behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Promise number three, you have been saved and redeemed and your final destination is in heaven. Psalm 103, verse four, he redeemed your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. That's God for you. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Promise number four, He formed you and knew you before the world existed. Psalm 139, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be, before the world even existed. God already knew you. Maybe somebody needs to remember that promise. Promise number five, you are who God says you are. You are who God says you are. Isaiah 43 verse 1, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. The Lord says that to you. You are a son and a daughter of the living God. Promise number six, God's plan for your life is to prosper you, not to harm you. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. If you are still breathing right now, God isn't finished with you. And His plans for you are good. And His plans for you are perfect. And so if you're here and you're breathing and you're alive, it's because God isn't finished with you. Promise number seven, when you're feeling weak, God gives you strength. Philippians 4, verse 13, I can do all things in Christ who gives me strength. That was a man who was weak who wrote that. That was a man who was in trouble. That was a man who was imprisoned. That was a man who had, who had gone through beatings and tortures for years. And he writes, I can still do all things in Christ who gives me strength. And so can you and I. Isaiah verse 40, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the Creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. 
Even youths go tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Promise number eight, God answers prayer. We've already learned that last several weeks. Jesus says in John 14, I will do anything you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Ask anything in my name, and I will do it. Matthew 6, we just read this a couple of weeks ago. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened. To everyone who asks, receives. To the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. God answers prayer. Promise number nine, hope is never lost. Romans 15, verse 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. If God's Spirit lives in you, you never lose hope. Romans 5, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Again, if the Holy Spirit lives in you, you never lose hope. And promise number 10, this may surprise maybe just one person, but God actually wants to use you. God actually wants to use us. Did you know that? Even in this season of life, it doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter if you have a disability. It doesn't matter if you're weak. It doesn't matter if you're as, a, as smart as the next person. God on high wants to use you. And could it be that He has set you apart for such a time as this to use you for the glory and renown of His own name? God wants to use you. My third point. God brings change in the world through the prayers of His people. God brings change in the world through the prayers of His people. God looks at His own people and He's utterly disgusted because of their sin. God doesn't like sin. That hasn't changed. Israel sinned against God. They've, they've lived in constant rebellion against God. And God is not pleased. In fact, God is actually angry. He's, he's burning with angry, anger, it says. And so the sins of God's people have brought wrath upon them. And God's only intent at this point in this story is to destroy Israel. Sin violates the law of God. That's what it does. It violates the law of God. And so there's a payment that's due because of sin. And that's death. That's spiritual death. That's separation from God. That's what happens in our sin. We're separated from God. But Moses, he does something. He falls on his face and he pleads for God's mercy on behalf of of his own people. In verse 14, and the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. So Moses prays, Moses fasts, Moses falls on his face, and he's pleading for God's mercy, and it says that the Lord relented. So Moses prays, God relents. Now, this can be a confusing verse. It can be confusing because what does it mean when God relents? Some translations define this as God's repenting. Others say God's just simply changing His mind. But if we know God is perfect, if we know God never changes, if we know God can't lie, then we know He's not repenting and He's not changing His mind. So what's happening here? Well, remember I said uh, about verse 12. Remember, we'd come back to it. Look at verse 12. I think I have it on the screen. Then the Lord said to me, Arise, go down quickly from here. So that's what the Lord said to Moses. He had seen the sins of his people. He's ready to destroy them, but go down quickly from here, Moses. Why would God send Moses down to the mountain? You see, God could have destroyed them in that moment. God's already been fed up and, and furious with their sin for a while now. God could have just crushed them in that very 
moment, but he sent Moses down the mountain. And here's the reason why God did that. God's plan, his plan, which was ordained at the beginning of time before the world even existed, was to spare Israel through the mediation of Moses. That was God's plan all along. To spare his own people, despite of themselves, despite of them sin, through the mediation of a person. And that person was Moses. The fact that God will judge sin hasn't changed. He will judge sin. God is holy, so He will punish sin. That's still true today. But at the very same time, what's also true is God is a loving and merciful and faithful God. That has not changed either. He keeps His promises. And we're seeing that right here. Moses says, don't you remember? And God's like, of course, go down to the mountain. I'm going to spare those people. And you're proof. So God brings about a mediator. His name is Moses. And what does he do? He stands in the gap for sinners. Does that sound familiar to you? Moses comes down from the mountain, and what he's doing is he is standing in the gap for Israel. And they have sinned against God. Does that sound familiar? In your sin, and in my sin, we stand under the judgment seat of God. We deserve death. We deserve eternal damnation. We talked about that last week. All throughout the Bible, it's clear that the penalty of sin is death. Spiritual separation from God. The Apostle Paul says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I'm going to wrap up here. The worship team can come. But instead of Moses coming down from the mountain to stand in the gap for Israel, Jesus came down from heaven to stand in the gap for sinners. That is the hope of the world. Jesus is the hope of the world. Moses came down from the mountain to stand in the gap for Israel, but Jesus came down from heaven. He left His his seat of glory and of high honor being worshipped by legions of angels He came down in the likeness of a man. He can identify with you. He knows what it's like to be tired. He knows what it's like to take a nap. He knows what it's like to be hungry. He knows what it's like to lose a loved one. At the very same time, he knows what it's like to stand in the gap for sinners. Because before the foundation of the world, it was God's purpose for Jesus to go to the cross. Before the world ever existed, the salvation of your soul and mine was Jesus going to the cross. And so as God used Moses, a prophet, to intercede on behalf of Israel, Jesus is the perfect prophet who interceded on behalf of you and me. As Moses stood in the gap between God and Israel, Jesus stands in the gap between God and the sinner. And maybe for someone right now, that's you. Maybe you've just never let Jesus step in the gap for you. Maybe you've just never allowed Jesus to step into your mess for you. See, that's the Gospel. Jesus wants to stand in the gap between a holy God and you. And what happens there is He makes a way for you to be reconciled to the Father. That's what it means for Jesus to stand in the gap. That's what it means to Jesus to die on the cross. He does it for you and for me. The problem is, though, many people, they, they just don't want to give up on, on certain things. They don't know that they fully trust Jesus to, to, to fix their mess. Some people, just they, they don't fully believe that Jesus can heal them. Not sure physically, but, but what about internally? See, Jesus has the power to heal us internally. All we have to do is say yes. 
I want to let Jesus stand in the gap for me. As Moses did for Israel, Jesus has done it for the world. Maybe somebody here needs to hear that. What Moses knew affected the way Moses prayed. He knew God was in control. And so do we. So don't get caught up on the matters of this world, church. Believe in the Gospel. Trust Jesus. Worship God. Fear Him. Not man. Not culture. Not society. As Job wrote, I know that my Redeemer lives and at the last He will stand upon the earth. That's the hope of the world. That's the hope of the church. And so you can stand and we're going to worship together. And I want to invite anybody to come up here. Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus to, to allow Him to stand in the gap for you of your sin, of your rebellion against God. But the Gospel says that Jesus came to die for the sins of the world. And if you have sin in your life that you need uh, removed, if you want to give your life to Jesus and be baptized, you can come forward. We can, we can baptize you right now. I would love to do that. Well, let's stand together. Let's worship it. And just maybe pray in your own heart, hey, do I need Jesus to stand in the gap for me? And as we worship together, I'll stand here and I'll be waiting to accept you and receive you and, and to pray or to baptize or whatever. But let's worship our God together.